Hello, I'm Alessandro Miro and I'm 510. You don't need to slate. This is an advertisement. Just tell them about the show. What show? The one you do, you know, where you mess up every audition? I mess up audition? Yeah. How to make it in Hollywood when you're foreign AF? What's that? Your YouTube series. Ah, the one where I become movie star? Sure. Yes, okay. Uh, radio people, hello. Uh, subscribe to Almiro Studios channel on YouTube and watch How to Make It in Hollywood when you are foreign AF. That was so great. We're just going to need to take that again with no accent. The listeners might not be able to understand you otherwise. Why can't you just put subtitles? You no, know we're on the right. Just try British accent. How to make it in Hollywood when you are foreign AF, like, like... Yeah. I'm just gonna do it. Watch How to Make It in Hollywood when you are foreign AF on YouTube channel Almiro Studios. Don't forget to subscribe. And follow me on Instagram at foreign AF series. That's foreign AF series. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Furminger. My mission is to pull back the curtain on Vancouver's film and television industry and expose its beating heart, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom style, by getting deep and down and a little dirty with the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T. Capital W. Today, I am so excited. Can you see it? Can you feel it? I am so excited to welcome David Lewis to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Here comes the thesis statement. You ready? Okay. He's nodding. David Lewis perplexes me. I I think this is because I'm a sorter. I really like labels and I like putting people in boxes. And I'm not sure where to put David. My first instinct is to put him in the comedy box. The man is funny. We've seen it in Dirk Gently's Solistic Detective Agency and the insanely funny Parked web series and his Lance in Morning Show Mysteries and as the perplexed dad in like half of the commercials filmed in Vancouver. But he's also an incredibly powerful dramatic actor, which we also saw recently in Unspeakable, Robert Cooper's gripping miniseries about Canada's tainted blood scandal. So you could absolutely go in the drama box. But then there's horror. David has done his fair share in the horror realm, from Karen Lamb's super creepy Evangeline to the most recent Child's Play film in which he faced off with a Chucky driven mad by AI. David won a Leo Award for Best Performance by a Male in a Web Series for Lying and Dying. He judged the fashion contest at last summer's Project Limelight Racetrack Gala. He's a hard worker and he's funny and he's astonishing and honestly, who the hell is this guy? So today, we're gonna try to figure out just that. David James Lewis. Is that what the J stands for? It's exactly what the Okay, J David James for. Lewis, welcome Thank to you. the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. What an intro. But honestly, Sabrina, let's talk about you. <laughs> no. We're oh. actually before we talk about we're not gonna talk about me. Okay. Uh, but we I do wanna mention the fact that um 
you're hearing some extra sound sounds today. Uh, we record. I mean, you guys know we pretty much record in an alley uh, next to the organic grocery store. There's always the beeping. The guys are very angry about having to deliver kale. Uh, but now, and do you notice the minute I hit record, yeah. the construction started. So yeah. the math school next door is doing some construction to make it more mathy. Right. You know, Maybe they're so adding something. They, oh, oh my God. <laughs> Honestly, it's too early for this. Too early for the dad jokes. Um, um, so yes. <laughs> we're going to be hearing some construction sounds and they often weirdly sound like farts. And so. it's Vancouver and Vancouver's always in a state of building something or tearing something down and building something. Yeah, it's very, and just like our industry, just like we do as people. That's true. You know, so very poetic. So very anyway, true. great. that's the disclaimer. Yeah. Who are you? You know, it's Sabrina, right? Um, so Eight years I've known this man. Uh, I'm like this kid from South Vancouver. I'm born and raised Vancouver. And, you know, I grew up kind of pop culture-y and all that sort of stuff. My parents grew up on TV. I grew up on all of that. And yeah. I was fortunate enough to get into this industry, which uh, I love and... Uh, sometimes I hate mm, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes I'm perplexed by and sometimes I'm just like, oh, yeah. No, you, you're not I allowed to it. use the word perplexed. That's my word <laughs> from my thesis statement. Right. But like my inclination is to put you in a box. Yeah. And I will say it's really funny because when I, I think the first time, because I've seen you in things before, but the first time I like noticed you, noticed you, was mm. in Evangeline where you were a horrible Scoundrel. It literally says it on your Han Solo shirt right now. Yeah. You're a scoundrel. Um, and you have a tattoo of all the of all these hands. It's a beautiful tattoo. Right, thank but you. the way that it was used in the film was it was like the hand it's all these like different hands of your of your victims. victims. So like yeah. I, I remember the first time seeing you as an event shortly thereafter, being like, Oh my god, there's that really like very <laughs> creepy guy. And then I, I think I'd seen parked right shortly after that. And I'm like, and then your tattoos in that as well. And I'm like, wait, so is He's really funny, but I he's also like I want to run from him screaming. So like do you find well one, do you feel like you you fit in any of those boxes or do you find that that you have to deal with people like me who are constantly trying to shove you in a box? <clears throat> well, uh that's an excellent question. Because when I asked Paul, I told Paul this morning, I'm like I'm I'm talking to David today. He's like he's so funny. And I'm like, yeah, but and then I got really defensive because I'm like, you didn't see Unspeakable. He's really good and unspeakable, and that's not funny at all. That's about the taint, the tainted blood scandal. Yeah, there's nothing funny about. There's that There's nothing show. funny about that. No, uh, that's so funny because uh, I, I, I in the show Robert Cooper. I know you've had him. I've listened to Robert Cooper's as well. Uh, well, I I kind of told you to listen to that because yeah. like he complimented you. Yeah, it was very nice. Yeah, but while we were filming that, uh, at one point I was like, you know, I feel that, you know, maybe my character. You know, he has a sense of humor, I feel. And Robert's like, yeah, yeah, this this show needs some humor. So every time I would try to do this, he's like, yeah, you can't do that. I don't think this calls for it. So I was like, this show is not getting any humor. This There's is- no slapstick no. in the Tainted Blood story. Um, so I think I was very fortunate in the fact that um, when I started, like, really working in this industry in town, um, it was, you know, primarily, like, sci-fi and, um, you know... MOW's movie of the weeks of like uh, Mother May I Sleep with Danger you know those type of yeah no I'm not even kidding (laughs) no Uh, I know did you audition for Danger oh yeah Uh, (laughs) I'm sure I did but 
so I like. I'm every- sorry for laughing. You you could be dangerous. <laughs> I could be. Yeah, you absolutely I've, could be. Well, especially because I've kind of got that um, middle America, Yale, Harvard sort of white collar. Uh, thing to me and they go perfect he, we don't suspect him as being the bad guy let's make him the bad yeah. guy so that's, that's why Karen Lamb says unequivocally that she loves to kill you right in everything well that's that's a whole other thing I think it's the red hair yeah. um, <laughs> but so you know I, I, I grew up in this industry doing drama and all that sort of stuff drama I like how you say it drama drama but in Vancouver, there wasn't room for a lot of comedy. There weren't, weren't a lot of comedies. But mm. when there were comedies, they would bring me in. And there's this, there was this weird thing back in the day, and I don't think it's so much anymore, where it's like uh, dramatic actors can do comedy, but comedic actors, they can't do drama. They can't mm. cross over that. Like, you know, it took a very long time for, like, the Jim Carreys of the world and the Steve Carells. It changed a bit by the time Steve Carell uh, rolled around. But So I could vacillate between the two of them, but I, I knew that a lot of sort of comedic actors from improv and stuff were like, man, I can't get in the room for drama. They don't, they only see me a certain way. So I was able to go back and forth. I was very fortunate that way uh, because I get comedy. Yeah, I get the timing of comedy. I grew up watching Mary Tyler Moore and Bob Newhart and Cheers and Seinfeld. And, I, you know, I, I that was my schooling. And my parents, my dad loved it as much as I did. So I learned from that. And then, you know, when I went to, you know, take drama in school and stuff, they taught me, you know, how to act. But I'd already... Learn. I love all oh. your hand talking you're doing. I really uh, need yeah. to get a camera here. Yes. But so when he did act, he was like, arm extended. I'm Acting. sure there's some sort of Italian thing happening here. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I've been very fortunate that I get comedy. Like I get the timing. I mean, I grew up with red hair, man. Like it was sink or swim. Kids, I was the only redhead in the class and kids are like, <laughs> we're going to make fun of you because you're different. Do people like, okay. Now, Grant, I did not grow up out here. And I grew up going to, um, like, I grew up in, in Montreal for most of my childhood and then went into Toronto. So, like, maybe there wasn't, like, no, there were, I knew some redheaded kids. We didn't make fun of them. There were other things that we made fun of. Right. And I got made fun of, like, mercilessly because, well, look at all my Star Trek figures and I had giant glasses and, you like, you know. I was. And I've, I have come out as a total big nerd and everybody knows that, but I, I ended up having to keep it hidden. But, like, is that a thing? Like, I know, like, back in, in the old country, in the olden days, like, somebody who was born with red hair was seen as, like, you oh, the spawn of the demon. <laughs> yeah. But uh, maybe, maybe, which is why Karen Lamb wants to kill you yeah. all the time. But so that's a real thing. Because well, I see red hair and I'm like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even now I'm like, I'm coveting. Your red hair. And carpets and curtains, people. Can I yeah. just say that? Um, <laughs> or cuffs and collars. I'm good either way. Oh. Um, oh. So, I don't Ooh. know. Like, when you're little, if there's, like, someone who's really tall in the class, it's like you're going to make, oh, you're just, you know, you're like a giraffe or an ostrich. If you're really short, then it's shrimpy. You know, if you've got, I don't know. Like, that just seemed to be the way it is yeah. when you're really young. Did people call you the spawn of the devil, though? No. Or they what did they say? Mark the carrot the top. Oh, or carrot top. The copper top. Duracell. Um, That's really clever. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, well, but carrot top doesn't make sense because the top of a carrot is green. And they'd be like, shut up. You know, <laughs> like, okay, I was just trying to like, you know, help you with your comedy. Giving you some notes. <laughs> yeah. You really should have workshopped this before um, you were attacking me. And so uh, the unfortunate thing with all of that is it built up the shield around me. So uh, my sword became sarcasm. Mm. And so I would attack before 
getting attacked because I had been attacked when I was you know younger, just being different and that sort of thing. So you're ready. Yeah, but it it took a long time for me to bring those de- like you know still doing that sort of shit in my twenties and thirties is like oh my god, dude. And I'm like no no, it's just a joke, but it wasn't you know sarcasm. It's uh, Greek means tearing of flesh. You know, it's the lowest porn. Uh, it's the lowest form of comedy. Sarcasm. Are you kidding? No, sorry. I I I think that I just learned a fact. This might be the fact of the podcast. Are you t- are you shitting me? Like, is that real? That's real. That sarcasm means it's the tearing of flesh. <sighs> Comes from the Greek tearing of flesh. Oh my god, language is amazing. Yeah, it's great, right? Wow. Okay. And so, yeah, through all that. So, anyways, so uh, that's a long-winded way of saying it was. I'm, I'm in a bunch. Of, <laughs> I'm in a bunch of different boxes, and that's what actors hope to be. That's yeah. what we 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 really want to. So be. You're living the dream. Yeah. All right. Um. Are we done? That's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it bye, David. Way, thanks. It, that was, it was really the thesis statement. Yeah, okay. So where can our fans find you on social? No, no, no. Um, so we did touch on childhood, uh, but we have managed to skip over one of my favorite facts about you. So we're going to we're gonna step into your time travel vehicle of choice, going to mm. get in the Wayback Machine yeah. and uh, go back to your earliest beginnings, which, but it's important because this... The, how you answer this question tells me a lot about you. What is your time travel vehicle of choice for us to go on this journey? I'll give you some options if you want. Great. Bill and Ted's phone booth. Yeah. Um, the DeLorean. Sure. Uh, the TARDIS from Doctor Who. Great. Uh, uh, Enterprise whipping around the sun. Superman whipping around the sun. Right. Um, or let's get some Vancouver content in there. Uh, the the chocolate orange thingy from Continuum that everybody had to put together. And, Great. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not a very original answer. Wait, let me guess. The DeLorean. Yeah. I'm 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 from that age and that movie really influenced me a lot. I really and I thought it was just cuz it was an adventure but as I got older it's like that's a well-written movie. It's man. well-written and it's also like it's a Canadian like it's a it's a kid from Burnaby. I, I wanted to be Michael yeah. J. Fox. I was like, "Oh, I have I looked up to him so much when I was younger and and that movie just like blew me away." You know, so most people Choose a DeLorean. Yeah, I always thought they would choose a TARDIS because that's my that's yeah. my time travel vehicle. I love Back to the Future, but I love like the TARDIS is part and of my soul. Do you um, do you know the original uh, time travel machine they were going to use in Back to the Future? No, it was going to be a refrigerator, but they kiboshed it because they were worried kids would lock themselves in old refrigerators and they would die. <sighs> yeah. And then Indiana Jones did, they did that with Indiana Jones years later, and that was the stupidest thing. Oh my God. And that's as far as I'm concerned, that's not canon. Um, I agree. But right. I, I find it really, I, I would, okay, so somebody out there who's studying film and like sociology and anthropology and culture and everything needs to do a paper about the impact that Back to the Future had on the film and TV industry, specifically people choosing to go into the industry because of Back to the Future. Because sitting here just anecdotally in this space, and I'm sorry, I'm very busy, I don't have time for that, but I'm going to give you the idea for free for your big academic paper. But sitting here, everybody talks about that, about how formative it was. So, okay, we're in the DeLorean. Great. Um, we Dog is there. The, the, the flux capacitor is flux capaciting. Um, and we're going back. Normally I say let's go back to when you knew you were going to be a performer. But with you, because I know you, I want to go back to um, maybe even before you were born. I want to go back to where your parents met mm. and where you grew up because this is like 
fucking amazing to me, and it explains a lot. So, David, yeah, take us. Where are you taking us? Well, we're going back to the late '60s. Oh, the music is great. Yeah, everyone's you know drinking and driving. They're smoking indoors. <laughs> they're on an elevator. They're lighting up their Winston's or their you know I don't know what, what black cats maybe. Uh, and so there's cigarillos. Yes, yeah. there's, there's a very famous, uh, iconic hotel in town called the Waldorf. The Waldorf. And I think it was uh, built in the '40s, and it's a tiki style uh, hotel. It's so '60s. Down on the <laughs> down on the east side, near yeah. like uh, you know where the docks and the longshoremen and everything. Anyways, my dad got a job there as a bartender in the tiki bar upstairs. It's very iconic. It's got this beautiful black light. Um, velvet uh, uh, prints on the wall mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. like um, Tahitian topless women and, and cats and things that they're very expensive it's very expensive art the art is it's very it's very beautiful it's very uh, just 1960s sex art really. oh yeah totally yeah. right like it's like oh Martin Scorsese would walk in there and go perfect let's do Goodfellas too yeah uh, so my dad worked there and he met my mom there she that was a, kind of a place to go on the east side Our, my my parents are very sort of east side you know nothing Caresdale and all that sort of stuff over there definitely down there but I think the east side was kind of a hip and happening place down there it was a place called Besitas and Lassiter's and stuff this was a place that you go to and um, you know, go to clubs and everything. So, uh, my dad, Jim, meets my mom, Diane, and um, love those names. Yeah, yeah, Jim and Diane. <laughs> those are the whitest names. Very, very. White. <laughs> you might be the whitest person ever come in here. It's weird because my parents are Asian, but anyways, <laughs> it's so odd. Wait, have I been adopted? Uh, no, my parents are very white, and yeah. <laughs> uh, so they meet there, and my dad proposes to my mom there, and they have their a wedding reception there. And uh, I learned to walk at the Waldorf. I am babysat at the Waldorf. By you grew up at the Waldorf. I grew up at the Waldorf. I grew up in you basically a hotel bar. Born in a bar. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. I okay. So let's just sit with that for a minute. I fucking love that. How do you think that part of your origin story impacted you in the years to come? Like, how do you think that? Be you know being the product of the super hep and hap, hep I didn't even say hip hep and happening yeah uh, you know nineteen sixties you know black light velvet scene you know um and and I'm assuming like I mean it's not like being born in a library you know like you have to have like your parents probably had a certain kind of personality to be to f- like mm. thrive and flourish in that environment like just tell me tell me David so my dad was uh, he ends up becoming the head bartender at the bar and one of my biggest memories is uh, we had a very tiny house uh, you know South Van area and parties 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 always parties I remember one of my mom's uh, favorite stories to tell is they were having this blowout at the house and I'm like two years old and I'm sleeping and um, some girls are coming some women are coming into the party and it's just it's just blasting away and they go to they go to open a door to put their coats in there my mom's like oh no 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 there's a baby in there and the girls are like there's a baby in the house <laughs> she's like, yeah it's okay like i can sleep through anything man like and i would come out like and i would come i'd wander the party and event and event inevitably someone would pick me up and i kind of remember it's just smoke everywhere and being held and dancing on the floor. And it was back when they had 45s and they would stack up like, you know, 25 45s on the big stereo, wow. which may or may not have fallen off the back of a truck. Um, <laughs> you know, type, those type of things. We had a lot of things in our house that we couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. But 
But they, they somehow got there. They did somehow they get there. They were reappropriated. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so the I had a crazy sort of existence as a child. So on one hand, I had this very normal childhood. I went to school and everything. And my parents, you know, were pretty loving. My dad was a, you know, uh, raving alcoholic. But, you know, if you're going to have an alcoholic parent, he was probably a good one. Like he never got hammered and like wanted to beat you up. He wanted to get hammered and like keep partying all night long. And yeah. my mom, eventually my mom was like, I can't do this anymore. It's like, well, I can keep doing it forever. Uh, but one of the things that sort of happened when I was very young is my dad met a guy at his bar and it was my dad's bar and I'm air quotes here. So he had his reserve signs right by the TV up on the wall and it would have mm. been like a little black and white eight inch TV but it's like wow there's a TV but in the bar still. so people wanted to sit yeah. there and so these two guys came to sit down and my dad was like oh no these are reserved and the guy's like what are you talking about it's I'm gonna sit here they get into an altercation the guy's like I'll see you after work motherfucker so my dad's friend is there is like don't you know who that is like who well it's Dougie uh, and he's like okay he's like man he's he's bad news man he's bad news Sure enough, my dad finishes his shift. It's like one in the morning. Dougie's there. They go out back, and Dougie beats the shit out of my dad. Like, you know, my dad gets a couple of licks in, but he's not really that much of a fighter. Uh, shortly thereafter, they become classic good friends, eventually best friends. It's that it's that weird thing. And Man. so this guy This is, is like the toxic masculinity. Oh, totally. You know, like, you, like oh, yeah. they respect each other because they beat the shit out it's of each so other. It's so out of a movie. It's ridiculous. But <laughs> this, this, honestly, I am riveted right now. This could be, like, make this series for well, me. Well, so this guy turns out to be um, the number one heroin importer in Western Canada. Holy shit. Yeah. They got I didn't a, think that was going to make an entrance into the story. And his wife's name is Diane. And so my mom and dad become uh, best friends with Dougie and Diane. They've got this amazing house up uh, on Burnaby Mountain pool overlooking all of, you know, Vancouver and everything. And so we would just go there all the time. Huge pool parties. I, I almost drowned twice in their pool. Somebody dove in and pulled me out because people are getting hammered out of their minds. And yeah. I'm like four running around and I'm in the pool and I can't swim. Anyways. Um, <sighs> As a parent, this is, story is completely stressing me out. So... It's it's good fellas like they go to every club and every bar in town and Dougie is paying for everything because he just likes having my dad. He he gets a kick out of my dad. My dad was very much a character mm -hmm. uh, and just loved to have fun and, you know, all of that. And so my mom eventually is like, you know what, I just feel this is ridiculous. They pay for everything. I don't want to go. Out. They call and my mom's like, I don't want to go out. And my dad's like, come on. It's like, no, I don't want to go out. So, OK, we're not going to go out. So then Dougie's wife calls and says, listen, Dougie said, if you don't go out, I don't get to go out and I want to go out. So you have to come out. And I was like, oh, my God. So they would just go out all the time and they would have the best time. So eventually Dougie uh, gets caught for doing bad things and he goes to prison and then mm. he escapes from prison Ooh. and then he hides out in a shed at my uncle's place in Langley. And my dad gets a call from my uncle saying, you should come out here because I need some help with some paperwork. My dad's like, what the fuck? Goes out there, there's Dougie, they get a car, they pack the front right quarter panel with about half a million dollars in cash, they drive to Manitoba, then they cross the border, and then they go on this two-month spree of just having fun all through the States, and then my dad drops Dougie off at his cousin's ranch in California, and Dougie lives there as a maintenance worker for two years until he gets caught by the FBI. I, I, yeah, I know. What? Okay. Also... My parents had a waterbed, and I remember my dad, when I was like about 11 years old, he's like, uh, this is when Dougie's in prison. He's like, okay, uh, I need you to help me with something. We close all the blinds and all the drapes in the house, and he pulls out this big bag, 
and we spend the next three hours uh, bundling up 50s and 20s. We, we bundle up about $300,000 in money with elastic bands, and then he cuts a little hole on the bottom of the waterbed where the wood is, and we put it all into the waterbed, and then he puts a little door on it. Okay. <laughs> um, is, that, is that true? It's all true, yeah. Holy shit, David. Yeah. Um, okay, this is going to be a weird question. Was the was the money under the waterbed protected like in case the waterbed was going to like like I would hate for all that money to have gotten I don't know why I'm yeah. like fixated on that point because yeah, if like great. the waterbed burst then the water would get ruined I think by that point my parents had stopped having sex so <laughs> yeah guys I I don't even know what to say um I do know what to say that needs to be a movie yeah. or a series or something it's because something, that's like yeah I don't even know what to do with that, but I love hearing about it. Okay, we're going to talk more. Maybe we're going to do some kind of dramatic podcast or something that like looks more at your life because yeah. that's just bonkers. Um, so, uh, how the hell did you get here, though? I mean, so all of that and your dad and Dougie and right. Goodfellas and all that, like acting, where the hell did that come from? Yeah, I mean, uh, you I'm know, angry at you right now. I, 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 I feel, <laughs> feel totally unprepared for that story, it's but I'm story. so glad yeah. we got back. Let's just get, get back to it. Let's get in the DeLorean and drive a little further okay, into the great. future. I, so, I need a second here, man. So, you know, I was uh, I grew up watching TV like everybody probably my age did sort of thing. You no, know? if I were your age in your house, I would have turned the TV <laughs> off, spun around, just watch what my parents were doing. Because yeah, exactly. that's so, how can you even watch TV? Yeah, that's boring compared to what's happening in the house. Um, so my parents love TV. My dad especially loved TV. And so we watched a ton of TV and I had a TV in my in my bedroom and everything. And, you know, uh, you know, watched the Mary Tyler Moores and the Bob Newharts and the mashes and the, mm. all that sort of stuff. And I, I grew up watching that, that. Mm, was for mash. That's my, one of my favorite shows. Yeah. Of all time. It just all, it was a golden, it was a golden age of, of TV. But you're watching it, but were you watching it thinking, I want to do that? I want to be in the TV. No, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's magic. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then when Michael J. Fox sort of, created a presence down in LA I was like oh wait a second he's from Canada like I didn't know of any actors from Canada the like I didn't know really who Leslie Nielsen was yeah. and you know some of the older actors like William Shatner I didn't really know that he was Canadian yeah but I mean not only older. were they but they were Canadian but they're they weren't from Vancouver right you know like a lot of these do oh, I'm actually I'm not sure about Leslie Nielsen where's he from I, I want to say he was like from Hamilton or or Toronto like they're I, from out there yeah exactly from across out the there Rockies. yeah you know and even like you know the SCTV dudes and stuff they're all from Ontario right yeah exactly yeah. so so and Michael J Fox was from Burnaby if I'm remembering yeah I think he went to Burnaby Central yeah that's why there's a theater and a plaque and yeah. a statue and a yeah, just this. Everyone goes there. Like he's, uh, I really, he's had an amazing career. Yeah. So, but so yeah. So then Michael J. Fox turns up on your radar as this dude from where you live yeah. who is like changing things. Yeah, and and so I, I hit high school and like I'm really like a lost soul. I don't know what I want to do scholastically. I'm like, I'm a C plus B character. I excelled at English. Love to tell stories, but oh, you don't say. Uh, <laughs> Science and math. I need a smoke after that. And <laughs> I don't not, even smoke. Not even my jam. <laughs> so uh, I just didn't really know what to do. And then so I hit high school. I go to John Oliver in uh, sort of Southeast Fan. It's a massive school. And I'm in grade eight. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so I was like, oh, you should take 
uh, choir. It's a really easy grade. I'm like, perfect for me. So I jump into choir and it's just like, okay, we're doing this, singing. I'm not really, I'm kind of doing it. But a lot of the people in choir are in drama and they're Um. like, you should go into drama. And I'm like, oh, I guess. It never really was on my radar. And they're like, there's lots of girls in drama. I'm like, I should put this on my radar. (laughs) And so I go and I love it. And I love it. I love like improv. I'm like, what the hell's improv? That's amazing. And we're we're memorizing scenes and we're breaking them down. And, you know, the the teacher, Mr. Kalmar, was really passionate. And oh, it shout was, out to teachers. I know. Drama right? teacher, high school drama teachers. And so Un- they unlock a lot for yeah, a lot of people, you know, for sure they do. For sure they do. It's it, because it's there's just something so odd about going to school and being locked into a desk, mm. you know, where these little people who just want to like move around and get up and do stuff I'm like, oh, we're going to sit you right there and you're going to learn. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I feel like I'm just stuck here. And now I'm, I want to talk to somebody or I want to get up and fidget or move around. They're like, you sit down because that's how we teach you. I go to drama and they're like, move around. Oh, yeah, let's get up. Let's shake our bodies out. We're like, oh my God, it's nine o'clock in the morning and I'm shaking my body out. And I'm like, 13, this is amazing. This is incredible. Yeah. It should. And you're rewarded for it as you're well. You're rewarded for like having crazy ideas and like, what about this? That's bananas. Let's, let's unpack that and see like, where's that coming from? Yeah. So that's kind of my part two of my origin story of, of finding this amazing thing called um, acting and drama. Yeah. Okay. Probably not. Probably not that dissimilar to a lot of actors. I think they kind of maybe fall into it by accident. Do you think? Are you Sabrina, acting let, me let's, seriously? Let's yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? You can listen to all sixty Man, whatever I'll, episodes I'll of the podcast. Uh, but a lot of times, it's you know they they have they have the personality. You know, and it might it might be somewhat like or not at all similar to the rest of their family, but they have that personality. Then they go to high school and it's unleashed in some way. Great. Um, no, you're you're definitely an outlier as far as your story. Um, I've never heard anything like it before, uh, and I've heard some things. <laughs> Okay, so I, oh, I honestly, I need to go. I need to take a break. So we are going to take a break. Right. And when we come back, uh, David is going to bring us to set. He's going to tell us about his his entry into the film and television industry. And then there's some specific roles that I want to talk about. Um, yeah, and I don't know. Go have a smoke or a drink. I'm sure right. we all need that after that. All I'm right. I'm going to go drop a deuce. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, we'll be back. This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Al Miro Studios' hilarious web series, How to Make It in Hollywood When You Are Foreign AF. Subscribe and binge all the episodes at www.youtube.com slash Al Miro Studios. <laughs> I feel lighter. <laughs> I'm, I'm got, you look happier. You got, <laughs> some, you got some glow to you now. Yeah. Okay, David. Um... Thank you for giving me the opportunity to have that that break. Uh, let's let's talk about the film and TV industry mm-hmm. then. Um, what were what was your first time on set? Your first, I don't know, was it a paying gig? Like, just tell me what you remember about it and what you learned about it. And did the industry welcome you? They're like, David's here. Woo! We need his energy here. Or like, like, t- tell me, t- tell me. So I thought I was going to take the industry by storm. I yeah. thought I was just going to move on this thing and just be like, I own it. And then I was like, oh, this is really difficult to do. I started taking like, like acting classes and realized, oh, like I'm doing some really big acting. You know, I'm doing big high school dramatic acting. I'm not doing 
camera acting mm. and just, you know, subtle choices. Distilling it down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It took me a long time to figure that out because my instinct was bigger is better. Oh, I, get, you don't I keep say. getting noticed. If Sorry, I, I, I invited you here and now I'm just like angry at you for the yeah. emotional journey you're I've taking me on today. Ginger armor on. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I'm glad you're here. I started in commercials. Mm. Um, uh, was non-union, so there was tons of commercials to do. And, you know, fresh-faced, red hair. I could sell a lot of stuff. And did you like it? I did. I, yeah, I you really liked, liked being on set? I did. But I had a couple of moments where I, I wasn't able to give the director what he wanted and I kind of got stuck in a loop in my brain mm. and it really messed me up and I could see the director getting really frustrated and, he, and it's like and he's like but you're not you're not like I I want you to do this and you're not doing this and you and I and, and it's like he was just getting frustrated because he obviously had only so many hours and so I ended up sort of muscling my way through that commercial I think it was like for a, a board game or whatever but it really affected me and I felt like I felt like I was a failure. I mm. felt like I, I shame, and it kind of put me back on my heels a little bit. Because um, the head, get, like, what's going on in your head matters, right? Like, if your head, ga- if your head game's not there, right, you can't bring it, and it can even affect auditions. Am I correct? Yeah. Are they just backing up money to your place here? Is this? Oh, I wish. I wish. No, that's kale. Okay, good. It's just kale. <laughs> Great. Um, and avocados. So. Just kind of just to quickly touch back on uh, my growing up life. Do I have to get you back know, in the car? Well, okay. I, not so much. But you know, coming from a sort of English Irish family, it was they were very proud of me. But it was also, oh, don't get too big for your britches. Mm. So there was this. I was kind of torn between you know really wanting to go for it and like, oh, do I do I deserve this? I mean, I mean, I'm just this kid from South Vancouver. I can't really like. The classic, they're going to figure me out. They're going to figure out that it's all bullshit. It's all Mm. smoke and mirrors. And so that would... Imposter syndrome. Oh, totally. Tall poppy syndrome. Yeah, great. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. You know, crab in the bucket, all that sort of stuff. So it kind of, uh, I would kind of go two steps forward and then one step back and two steps forward and one step back. And I, uh, yeah, so I sort of struggled with that for quite a while. But, you know, kept on going, you know what, I, this is, I'm good at this. This is what I want to do. I'm going to keep pushing through it. And and so I did. And then I started getting like, you know, Scully, Mulder, they're over there. You know, those type of roles. And just like, wow, I'm I'm like on this show and this is amazing. And I so I was working at London Drugs, which is a, a drugstore chain here in, in Western Canada. I, you know what you said? I'm like, London Drugs. That's what I hear in my <laughs> London. Greatest drugstore on earth. Um, so I was working there. And also doing commercials and small parts and everything. And I, and I started to realize that I was working less at London Drugs and working more as an actor. So mm. I was the, the, the balance of, of scale was, was changing. Um, and I remember we had this, this wall of TVs and, and uh, X-Files used to be on Friday night. Like it was literally like 9 or 10 o'clock. And it was sort of must-see TV before you went out clubbing. And I remember... I knew my episode was going to play, but I was I was working, and someone's like, "David, get over to the TVs." And I ran over there, and there was my scene, and like all the staff, and there was like customers, like, "That's you!" And I'm like, "Oh my god, that's that's me!" Like on a show that everybody in the world is kind of watching right now. Yeah. It, just, it was amazing, and that was a big light bulb moment for me. And then I ended up getting this job on the show called Hope Island, which shot up in uh, um, Britannia Beach, Squamish area. And I ended up being, I was a lead on it. So I was working five days a week, but I, I kept working at London Drugs. Mm. And I, this was like 22 episodes. And I would still go into London Drugs and pull shifts every once in a while. 
And uh, I put on my little blue vest and I'd go in on the weekends, you know, once or twice a month. And I was like filling, uh, filling the femme high section. That's feminine hygiene for all you men out there. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, frankly, I'm, I'm a woman who uses those products and I had never heard them referred to as femme high. Femme high. You know, yeah. It's a drugstore term. Um, well, I'm adding it to my vocabulary right it's just, now. It's just when my life is so busy, I like to shorten things down. Yeah. Especially that. <laughs> Especially that. Only that, yeah. actually. That's the only thing that gets written down. So Fem high. I'm uh, I'm I'm working there and I hear David and I turn and it's like uh, Allison, the um, the makeup artist. She's like, What are you doing? And I'm like, Oh, I'm just working. She's like, You work here? Like, why? I'm like, I don't know, it's just kind of fun. And she's like, this is crazy. End up getting back to work and like people are coming up to me like, what are you like some of the actors like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? I'm like, I don't know. It's just kind of fun. And one actor in particular, uh, Suki Kaiser, great gal, super talented. She's like, David, it's an umbilical cord. You need to cut it. You need to move on from this. It's really important as an actor that you do that. You can always go back, but you're holding on to something. You're not truly letting go. And I was like, wow, that's pretty heavy stuff. And so. But was it true? It was true. Yeah. It was true. It was, because like I, I don't. It was a lifeline. I don't. I think that also. I mean, frankly, this is a very expensive city. It's yeah. Maybe different then. But people got to work to got to work. Right. You know, but if that was like emotionally or intellectually holding you back, that's one thing. But like there's no shame also in like going having a job to pay Not your bills. At all. You having know? a side hustle. I mean, I side hustle. I teach. I yeah. coach. I do tapings now. Absolutely. But this was a job that. I could have gotten a hundred other jobs yeah. other than this job, but it was it was really I've been I had worked there for seventeen years. I needed Whoa, to dude. Yeah, I needed to cut the cord and Oh and man. Move on. I just so you don't work there anymore? Because <laughs> that would have been a really great employee discount. A friend with a London Drugs discount. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm 18%. actually on the search for one right now. If you work at London Drugs, please get in touch. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna throw a bunch of questions at you. Do it. Um and hopefully we'll be touching on some of these these uh, roles that I have in mind when I think of, of Is you. this the best podcast you've done so far? Ever. Thank God. It's not just the one I've, the best I've ever, like I've ever done. It's the best I will ever do and the best that was ever recorded. Got and it. I don't say that to all my guests. And I'm not lying. And it's not because I'm hoping you're going to go back to London Drugs <laughs> and get that job and get me my employee discount. All right. So what of all your roles, when you think of like when you are, have been the most creatively and artistically and dramatically engaged you know what what role comes to mind <clears throat> oh he's clearing his throat well sabrina may i call you that uh no i've <laughs> <laughs> sorry gary uh i've been very fortunate i've had a, i've i've worked a lot uh in my lifetime and i would say that the one that probably Okay, I'm going to make it quick. There's two. Thank God. <laughs> there's there's uh, one I did with uh, this comedian uh, named Andy Dick, and it was called um, Special Delivery. And it was. You worked his, with Andy Dick? I did. Holy. And so he boy. was the lead, but I was number two on the call sheet, but really I was the lead. It was my character story. story. It was basically a version of What About Bob? Oh. So he comes into my life and he disrupts it, and it's just this crazy thing. And uh, it was this movie of the week, it was a comedy, it was for like ABC Family. And it was amazing. And I really got to stretch my comedic chops and be the leading man of this thing. And it was fantastic. And Andy Dick taught me a ton. He was his, like, he was great to work with. And he was also bananas. He's bonkers. He's crazy. Yeah. And we went, we went down to LA to do reshoots and all this stuff. So that was, 
one of these things. And when my dad, uh, my dad passed away uh, years ago, but when mm. he was when he was really sick from liver cancer, there's a surprise. Um, <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> well, you know, he liked to drink. He would. I'm like, I would call him up, like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just watching special delivery. I'm like, you are? You just like, he was like, I watch it every day. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, it makes me feel like you're here. And I was like, <clears throat> God, this pollen in the air. Oh my it's God. killing me. He would watch it every day. Or he would just have it on in the background while he puttered around the house doing his thing. And I I'm was like. I'm not crying. You're, you're crying. I was like, wow. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> oh my God. I know. Like he would watch it every single wow. day to hear my voice in the background. He was proud of you. Oh, he was incredibly proud of me. Yeah. Uh, but you know. And he missed you. He or did. just wanted to yell at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you call that acting. <laughs> Where you're no Michael J. Fox. Um, <laughs> but. Wow. So that's a, that was an amazing thing for me. I was very grateful to have that gift for him, and it actually connected us a lot. And you know, I, I ended up sort of talking to him like at two in the morning. I'd call him because I knew he'd be awake because he just had a lot of things going on. Yeah. Uh, but the other uh, show that I was incredibly proud of was a show called Dirk Gently. Excuse me. It was not called Dirk Gently. It was called Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Do you remember Fem High? Remember how I shortened things? <laughs> yeah, but that show needs needs its it, respect must be paid. It absolutely does. And you you were I mean, please t- okay. First of all, to those of you who haven't watched Dirk Gently, Dirk Gently yet, go and fucking watch it. Yeah, it's, it's such great. a trip. But two, can you just tell tell our listeners because your your journey, your character's journey in that show is quite a trip. It was really wonderful to see you have the journey it that was, you did it was amazing and that so that's a show that i got to work with robert cooper again and, mm-hmm. and he was just lovely on it and so and I, the cast was pretty amazing as well so i go in for this audition and the audition is for this fbi agent and mm-hmm. he's just kind of this quirky nerdy guy and you know there's two scenes and i go in and i do my thing and i you know i have a little thing that i do with some sunglasses or whatever and everybody in the room laughs and it's great and so i'm just leaving the room and um uh, one of the producers says, oh, can you play a bad guy? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And the cast director says, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. He can totally, you know, they're just like pumping me up. I'm like, great. So I leave. I get the part. I'm like, great. So we go to the first uh, table read for the first two episodes, and there's like 80 people there. Mm-hmm. BBC America and the, you know, the L.A. producers and um, all these and all these actors that I've, you know, f- you know, Elijah Wood's there and all these Vancouver actors, you know, Aaron Douglas and Michael Eklund. I'm like, oh, my God, these are heavy hitters. And we do the table read, and my character doesn't have a lot to do in the first two episodes. But all these producers start coming up to me, and they're going, hey, what a part, huh? <laughs> you got your work cut out for you, right? Uh, you better do your homework. And I'm like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know what they're talking about. But four people come up and they're like, wow. So I go up to the director. I'm like, hey, what are these? And he's like, oh, you don't know? Oh, yeah, your character has this huge arc. It, he changes. He, uh, I don't want to spoil, but. Don't spoil it, but but yeah. He, uh, well, he ends up becoming something that he's not originally. There we go. There's a transformation. You still look like yourself. Right. But I have no idea. Like, I have an audition for that part of the part. And it turns out that's 90% of the role. But for whatever <laughs> yeah, strange is. reason, they don't put that in the audition room, which was fucking bananas. Yeah. They're rolling the dice that this actor is going to be able to pull this part off without even seeing him do it. So I was very fortunate that when the the meat of my stuff came along, the uh, uh, the director I was working with was Michael Jan, and he was amazing. And he's like, man, this guy's funnier than me. This is amazing. And so he, we shot my episode like fifteen hour days, 
and he just worked with me and worked with me and worked with me and worked with me and we got this amazing performance out so through all that i'm having like a crisis of faith i'm melting down and my uh, amazing girlfriend laura adkin uh who's just she's a rock star laura adkin respect must be paid yeah you know actress filmmaker has to deal with you she she has been managing my career for the past five years and she is very powerful she reaches out to me that's how i find out when you're working on stuff you know because laura's like no because she she knows you well and she talked me off the ledge because i was having like i i can't do this part i don't know i don't know what they want i've tried to ask them they're not telling me i'm i'm gonna fuck this up man i am gonna blow this all of a sudden 10 12 year old david shows up and he's just like terrified yeah we get to the end of filming and we have to do a reshoot one night and uh, basically Robert Cooper is there kind of running the show and I finish just sort of, it's an insert of my hand or whatever. And so I'm like, he's like, hey man, great job. He's like, oh, by the way, I got to tell you, uh, we got a lot of notes from Netflix and you and Aaron Douglas, they really like your performances a lot. You they you guys are two standouts for them. And I was like, oh, oh, oh amazing. I didn't need gasoline in my car to get home I was floating five feet off the ground I was like that is amazing and then I watched it and my kids loved it and it was it's some of the work that I'm most proud of as well you should be and it was just this amazing journey yeah uh and and a show that doesn't come to Vancouver very often that type of show that type of shows they shoot that in Atlanta yeah. or New York or L.A. The, the joy of that show as well uh, was, you know, because a lot of shows that do come here, I mean, they, they're, they I mean, you know, they, they bring up so much cast from out of town and then they, st- you know, they bring the, the some Vancouverites in for, right. you know, like for for, for guests or, or yeah. like and, and that show, I mean, granted, there were still some incredible out of town people who came, um, but uh, really utilize the Vancouver acting scene so well in both in both seasons, you yeah. know, like you had you mentioned Eklund, Zach Santiago, Osric Chow, uh, Viv Leacock, mm-hmm. Alex Ponovic, Lee Majdub, Chris Russell. Like it was incredible, incredible actors, you know, and yourself, I guess. <laughs> I was nominated for a Leo. You were nominated for a Leo for that. Yeah. You've been nominated for what, six Leos? Uh, yes. One, one. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, let me bring it down. Uh, but they, they really handed the car keys to Vancouver yeah, as did. far as the talent. And it was like, because this was a big show for them. They a had, big show, a yeah. weird show, an yeah. adaptation yeah. of, you know, Douglas Adams books. Like it's was, uh, and also a series that had, had its origins in the UK as well. You know, right? And you would have thought they would have just said, "Well, we're either going to bring over British actors or all LA," and yeah. we just but they they didn't, and uh, it's very exciting. It was really, a, I think, should be a very proud moment for the Vancouver talent. Which yeah, I'm very proud to be. You part should of, be. By the way. You yeah. should be proud. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where to go next. I guess I want. I want to. I want to speak to. Because we spent a lot of time talking about the early years and and about your journey. You know, so let's talk about like success. And like, how has your idea of success changed since the the beginning of your career? And like, what do you want now versus what you wanted then? Like, is it different? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that uh, back in the day, it was, again, sort of coming back to Michael J. Fox and seeing all that success. Like, oh, I want that. I want to be on the front of every magazine and I want this. And I was. But the reality is, uh, 
I think I suffered from the big fish in the small pond syndrome. I was afraid to go to L.A. I, mm. I couldn't quite make that big step and then, you know, started accidentally having kids and then... Uh, that stopped me from uh, going. Well, I think of accidentally. It's like, you know, you, you, you fall on a banana or something, you know? Like, <laughs> we did it standing up. Who knew? Uh, you, fall, you fall on a banana. No, it's not. That's not a sex thing. But oh. it's like, you know, like that classic, like 1930s, like, whoop, Whoa. yo. Yeah. No, there's a banana peel there. I've never seen a banana peel on the ground in my life. Right. You know, but they're always in cartoons and movies. Yes, of course. And you're slipping like crazy thing. in those But things. it was talking about sex. But it wasn't about sex. Okay, right. you know what I'm saying. So, um... <laughs> So, you know, I just kind of stuck around Vancouver, uh, probably longer than I should have, and I got comfortable here. And so I've had, so my, basically coming back to my idea of success, for me, the idea of success would be, I'd love to be a lead on like a big American beast that's rolling through town, something interesting like um, a Dirk Gently, which doesn't come along very often, but do like eight seasons of it. I want to go to Comic Con. I want to go to the cons. I want to be with, those are my people. Yeah. Those are my people. And I haven't quite sort of found the map to get there yet. That's That to me would be success, to really be doing stuff that... Um, is challenging me creatively. Um, I'd love to create my own content. I'd love to work with my gal, Laura, like create something with her. My gal, Laura. That's my gal, Laura. Yeah, we're smoking <laughs> palm malls over here, see? I could actually see you in a in a period piece. I mean, I have seen you in a in a period piece, That's you know, right. like yeah. that. Yeah, I, uh, I Under the Bridge on, of Fear. Yeah, and, I grew up with that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, but I, I could I, totally see you in Laura. Yeah. 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 Oh, but honestly, I, I like I just I would love to see I think the IP you need to develop is about your parents. Yeah. You know, and about your dad. Yeah. You know. I mean, how would you feel about playing your dad? Uh great. Uh we've Laura and I have talked about this and she's like, Yeah, you're not playing your dad. We're getting like, you know, uh Chris Pratt. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> 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 and she's like, but I'm still playing Diane. <laughs> That's right. Either oh, no. Diane. She'd be uh, directing. She'd be, she'd be directing. No, no. Laura Atkin can do both. Okay, fair enough. Laura Atkin yeah. is a, I only speak about her with both names. Great. She is a remarkable artist. And yeah. She will have her own episode. And we we're going to talk about her films. We're going to talk about her acting. We're going to talk about her fashion. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, she can, she can play Diane yeah. or Diane and write it and direct it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Not trying yeah. to cause problems for you, but no, no, you know. trust me, I've got a lot of. Yeah, them. you you do that on your own. Okay, so let's let's kind of wrap this up oh with some. I mean, go ahead. I'm, ha I'm having fun, by the way. Also, can I just say, and I forgot to say this. What an incredible day to be alive. Did you see the weather out there? Wasn't that just lovely? Like I was coming down here, no, and it wasn't. I <laughs> It wasn't because I forgot my sunglasses because why would I pack sunglasses? Why would I have done that? It's Vancouver. It and I'm walking. I'm like, I can't see. What is that blinding thing in the sky? No, it's David not. <laughs> yes, it is a beautiful day to be alive. It is great. Okay, well, actually, that kind of, you set up my, you set up my question great. very well. It's about what the fuck moments. And not like, what the fuck, this is my life. Mm. But like, do you, what, when do you have those moments where you're like, what the fuck, this is actually my life? And there's only one correct answer, which is right now, talking to you. Right. Okay. But so take that one as red. Yeah. And uh, give me another one. Um, I, I, I've done a bit of traveling. To me, Vancouver is one of the 
most incredible cities on the planet and I get to do what I love to do here and I have people that actually love me and you know I guess being respected in the industry a little bit is great and those moments where respected David Lewis (laughs) sorry did I say that it's obviously uh, we've we've seen each other out and about so I feel comfortable saying of course laughing at you of course with me um (laughs) at you it's uh those are the moments of just sort of there are moments of uh, of that I remember that I'm actually alive and I'm not going to be alive for a long time but it feels like I'm just going to be alive forever because how could you know I'm just sort of here but one day I won't be here and then I'll just be a memory not to get too heavy here but to be in this amazing city which is so unaffordable and to be around people that I love and like I love creative people they're fucking bananas Fuck yes, they are. And they're Why do you think I do this work? Nuts and insecure, <laughs> and they have these incredible moments of grace. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm and inspired. Vulnerability and I'm inspired and... by them. And sometimes I'm like, oh my God, that person is such an actor. But at the same time, you know, we all are. <laughs> Everybody in every industry is like, oh my God, that's a person such a real estate agent. You know, yeah. whatever, such a plumber. But that's okay. That's just, you know, we're all kind of trying to figure our shit out. So I those what the, I, I have those what the fuck moments, and it's just like it is what the fuck, like, oh, man, this is fucking crazy. I'm swearing a lot at the end now. Fuck yes, you are. All right. Really in. I'm having a what the fuck moment now. This was bonkers fun. David Lewis, you will come back, right? Uh, yeah. What am I getting paid for this, by the way? Is this scale? Minus 10? Boy, it got uh, quiet all of a sudden. I, I have a sticker. I would love to come back, Sabrina. That you got awesome. my name right. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Firma Jabber. From from Framinger, I'll get it. I'll, you know what? The next time I will get it right, Miss Firminger. Misses. That's true, Misses. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. Twenty-one years <laughs> next week. <gasps> really? Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. What do you get for twenty-one years? What is it like? Uh, yeah, I get time alone. <laughs> That's all. I is want. it diamond? Is it pewter? No, it's time alone. <laughs> some time by myself okay enough about me david lewis where can our fans find you on the social media yeah yeah you know i'm on twitter i've got twitter handles and stuff and i'm on instagram i think i'm david i don't man i probably should have known this right i probably should have had all of this you know what i think it's david J. lewis 11 yeah it's a stupid yeah it's It's so stupid you know i blame Mora. no no i blame michael jacob and that's no. His okay, we will put we will put links to yeah, we'll David's social media uh, accounts in the footnotes. Um, and to you, our fans, thank you so much for joining us today. Please like and subscribe if you are so inclined, and leave us a review. They help us, help us find even more listeners. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at yvrscreenscene. It's very simple. At YVR Screen Scene. Ooh, the look you're giving me right now, David. I'm going to look down. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Furminger. And it's produced and edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad. And to Tyson Braddock and Paul Furminger for technical support. We really are a family business. And to Dane, not Furminger, Devalet for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic, it's dynamic film and television scene. And cut.